You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Say that you'll hold me forever. Say that the wind won't change on us. Say that we'll stay with each other. And it will always be like this. I'm gonna hold you forever. The wind will never change on us. As we stay with each other, then it will always be like this. Orpheus, my heart is yours. Always was, always will be. <laughs> this is not good. How dare you? It was that was bad. That was How bad. dare <laughs> you? You're yelling. I all I've ever known. Ugh. Can we all just all I've ever known? Yeah. I got to sing with Orpheus at a concert on Monday. Did you see the picture? Are we like the Hadestown fan show? Is that what this has become? You know what? Broadway is the Hadestown fan show That's right true. now. That's a good point. Yeah. This isn't a Michelle bad Michelle Obama went to the show. Uh, Michelle Obama went to your show or Hadestown? No, Hadestown. Yeah, I saw that. I want to see her. Yeah, she seems like a cool lady. I started reading her book. It's really good. Mm. Yeah. Welcome to Guys Who Like like Musicals. (laughs) Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. I'm Joe Carroll. I'm in the cast of Frozen. I'm Dan Tracy. I'm in the cast of Waitress. And uh, we're talking about Broadway. This This week, week we're going to answer some of your questions. We got a bunch of questions. And Dan needs to put out. So now we really need to figure out what's in the care package. What's in the care package? not a pair of socks. And (laughs) mom, we're not going to answer your question, but you still get a care package. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. Your mom? My mom, yeah. She wants a care package. She's like... Never mind. Okay, we'll get I can't to even that. read her question, but she's still going to get a care package. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about um, equity versus non-equity and when to join. We're going to talk about the difference between swings and understudies and ensemble contracts and principal contracts and... Stunt casting. Stunt casting. Good, bad, ugly, yep. and the rise of social media as a sort of a two-parter, the rise of social media and uh, people with fans on social media yeah yeah and some things we love thank you so much for your questions this is amazing this is just a show where we're going to answer your questions and we're really excited about and it. if we don't answer your questions we're going to send you personal videos through our dm so look out for those um this week here we go so an actor is saying his lines yeah. and then out of nowhere he just starts singing five six seven eight <laughs> Jimmy, don't cry for me. So yeah, I, so where uh, should we start? Well, I uh, I got to meet Reeve Carney this week. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, how was he? He's Orpheus. You know the funny thing life. about Reeve Carney? If you see him on the street, he's wearing his costume from Hades Town. Yeah, no, he he, it's he like, is Orpheus. You just he, said that. Yeah, he he, but like, but like, really, one of these actors who like when you meet him, he looks into your soul you know how like sometimes when you talk to actors and they make you feel like the most important person in the room you know yeah. they're like hi like it's so nice Creel, to meet you. Yeah. they like they look at you and, and they're kind of in a scene because they're just so connected to the conversation yeah the guy opened his eyes and looked at me and i was like oh my god like, i'm in love i think i'm in love sort of <laughs> <laughs> but Don't tell was, my wife yeah it was super nice uh we sang from a new musical that uh my friend tony and josh wrote called oswald which is based on the yep. conspiracy theories around uh, the killing of John F. Kennedy. And it was really cool. We sang at Green Room 42. I think there's some videos on YouTube. Um, but it was really fun. I was I was super nervous. That's cool, man. Because he's uh, 
because he was really good. So that was yeah. cool. And this week, Alex and I got interviewed on Kevin McHale and Jenna Ushkowitz's podcast called Showmance, talking about Broadway, talking about our love, um, and how we... Uh, Did how- you just plug another show on our show? Here? Yeah, because wow. it's, it's a really good show. And, no, I totally get it. And it's like a bigger show. So, you know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> they have way more followers than we do. But um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great to talk to them. And Jenna was obviously in the cast of Waitress. You guys didn't work together. We did not. No, no but no. she knows who you are. And yeah. we had a really great conversation with, uh, with them. Um, so that was how my week was. I think, I think she was at an audition. Mm. I think when I... Yeah, I think I saw her at an audition for a, a TV show at a network, which like was the first time that ever happened to me. Yep. But I was like, <laughs> I think that's, but I didn't really know. And, yeah. and we, were, we were talking, but. Yeah. Also, anyway. quick shout out to uh, our favorite casting director, one of our favorite casting directors, Pat Goodwin. I just auditioned for him yesterday. He put you in Waitress. Yes. And he's casting another project. I went into the room yesterday for this uh, very sort of cool, fancy movie. And he was like, I'm a big fan of guys who like musicals. And Love it. I started smiling and stopped sweating because I was super nervous. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so that was really nice of him uh, to say that he likes the show. But we got all these questions, Dan. Yeah, this we, got, is, we got work to do here, okay? This is really cool. And uh, last week, Neil Haskell's podcast, we got so many uh, messages about, you know, people enjoyed it, uh, fans of his, um, you know, fans of ours. Like, we got all these messages on Instagram about his podcast, but also just questions. And so that's really what we're going to do yeah. this week is just answer them. And that is so cool for us because... We have this kind of semi-useless. That anyone cares what we think. Yeah, we have this just still mind blowing, <laughs> to, mind blowing me, so. to me. Let's tell you what we think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, this first question is from Alice underscore Squeglia. I'm so sorry if I'm saying these names wrong. Yeah. But um, Alice, you are the winner of a new Guys Like Musicals care package. Woo! <laughs> There's nothing in it yet. <laughs> there We're working be. on the t-shirts. There I'm actually be. really excited. Joe, about so, what, uh, what? They're not made. Maybe I don't know. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, he's giving away what the care package is. <laughs> okay, okay, what did cool. she ask? Alice Squiglia asks, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. And I'd love for you to talk about your different experiences becoming equity. What age did you join? Were you worried you, that you might find work? Fi- you- <laughs> yeah, reading is hard. One more time with feeling. I'm a big fan of the podcast, not a big deal, and I'd love for you to talk about your different experiences becoming equity. What age did you join? Were you worried that it would make finding work more difficult for a period of time? Did you go through the point, um, did you go through the point process, mm-hmm. or did you become equity from a contract? Yeah. Um, so breaking that down, um, for anybody who is a little confused, uh, all of the shows on Broadway and the uh, first national tours and the big the big tours are all represented by uh, Actors' Equity, which is our union. It's which is the Stage Actors' Union. Stage Actors' Union. Not it's, to be confused yeah, with the Screen Actors' Union. Right, so, which is SAG-AFTRA. Um, and so Actors' Equity is the stage union for actors and stage managers. Um, and all of the, the major uh, shows are under its jurisdiction. So the hope is, and the goal is to eventually join the union um, to be able to do, you know, shows on Broadway and shows right. off Broadway. And, shows. and the beauty of that union is that they help us with health insurance. Mm-hmm. They set all the minimum salaries and they help, um, you know, to secure 
protections like any union would do yep. and and we could get in more detail about that if people are interested but yeah. um you can google it yeah you know? but in short it's it's it, they they protect us as actors um and uh you know the the journey to joining the union is different for everybody um we have some friends who like in college uh would work at places like the St. Louis Muni or the Pittsburgh uh, Civic Light Opera or the Sacramento Music Circus which were three of the biggest uh, regional theaters that college kids would work at um, and they'll be given their equity card, right? They'll be given access to the union. Um, and sometimes that happens as early, like for my friend Carly Tamron, she grew up in St. Louis and that happened when she was like 18. And right. sometimes it happens um, much later, um, i.e. Dan Tracy, guys who like musicals, uh, did two non-equity tours. Uh, no, just one. D- did God, one non-equity tour. Me. Speaking for me, and he's going to get the facts okay, wrong. Okay, but sorry. I, I, God, man. No, yeah, so the age-old question is like, when do you join the union? Right. When is the right time? And for me, what happened was, uh, our. this is an interesting question for both of us because our stories are so different. Right. And uh, many of our classmates booked the St. Louis Muni, as you said, or one of these shows, one of these places where all of the contracts are union. But for most of the summer theaters and for most of the smaller theaters around the country with smaller operating budgets, they give out, um, the ensemble contracts are non-union. So there's lots of work if you're non-union and there's less work in the smaller venues if you are union. So the question becomes, when do you join? For me, I frankly just didn't get any of those big jobs. Right. So the decision was kind of made for me, and there was all of this pressure, like, oh, no, am I not talented enough to be in the business? Which is the you know such a common feeling right. that even Shoshana Bean has, as she said in our episode. Mm-hmm. It's like this con- constant feeling that you, you, this might be the end <laughs> or you're not good enough. Exactly. And <clears throat> I was just listening to an interview with John Krasinski from The Office about right. this exact thing. And he's Jenna like, Fisher. Yeah, Jenna Fisher. It was yeah. the same way. Yeah, like we're leaving The Office and we're never going to work again. Right. And it's like, okay, that's crazy, right. but also totally valid. Right. So, so, you know, circumstances were that I didn't get any equity contracts, so I didn't have an opportunity to get my card. When I was a senior, I got a job in uh, Western Michigan at Mason Street Warehouse Theater, and that was non-union, so I was still non-union. And then... I did my senior showcase after the University of Michigan. And my first audition was for the non-union tour of American Idiot. And little did I know, I looked exactly like the guy who did it on Broadway. And we kind of have the same voice. And there I was, yep. did, went and did my Summerstock gig, made some tapes. Then I had a final callback and there I was. And I booked this non-union tour of American Idiot. And if I had gotten any of those fancy jobs, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to do that non-union tour, right. which I have said multiple times was the peak of my career. <laughs> I mean, truly, yeah. that show gave me so much as far as understanding how to work in an eight-show week, week yeah. understanding how to preserve your body and your right. heart and your right. spirit. We were doing 14 one-nighters in a row in one stint. The kinds of things that like... When I hear actors complain now, I'm like, I can't hear this. Yeah, in and one when night, I complain, right, right, which right. I do a lot, <laughs> I try and remember when I used to sleep on a bus for five hours before going into a show. Yeah. Um, but I am a huge say, fan. Just when you say one-nighters, you mean that you were literally on a bus, 
you did a show and the next night you're in a different city and a different city and a different city night after night after night after night after night. And these exactly and, and the big tours will sit down in these cities for at least a week. For at least a week, sometimes, sometimes more. more. You know, you're staying at a nice hotel, right. whatever. Uh, I was n- staying in a Motel Six. Yep. with No, that no. I should insult Stacey. She'd be mad. <laughs> we were staying in really great hotels because our company manager, who's a listener, loved right. to get us good hotels. But I'm a huge fan of staying non-union. Yeah, and kind of allowing the industry to show you where you're at. Yeah, yeah. I think that self-awareness is incredibly important from every single minute of your career. That's so real. But especially about these kinds of things. Like, you can't just, you're not just going to become a movie star. Right. Is a good example for TV. Mm -hmm. But you're also not going to... You're not necessarily going to go from never being on Broadway to being the lead of a Broadway show. No. These kinds of things happen all the time. Well, we see people, that's the hard part. We see people who, on their very first TV audition ever, book a massive series regular, and all of a sudden they're a household name. We see the people who walk out of school and lead Broadway shows, you know, when they're 21, 22 years old. We see that a lot, and so you think that that's the norm, but in reality, there is the working actor, you know, journey is, is so unique and so specific to you, and I totally agree with you, because I think that the question of whether or not to join the union is is something you can't muscle. You can't right. strangle hold. I need to be in the union. I need to be in the union. I need to be in the union. Because eventually you will be. Eventually, right. if you stick it out, you will be. But you may ha- be missing out on an amazing experience, like going on the first national or the, na- the national tour of American Idiot, um, and getting basically a mini graduate degree in acting right. for you know a year or two right out of school. And being paid to do it. Right. So there's another way for those of you who don't know of how to get your union contract, which is by using EMC points. EMC is the equity membership candidate program. And you can, every time you do a certain number of weeks, you get points for those certain number of weeks. And now I think it's like 26 weeks mm-hmm. or something that you need to become part of the union. That's That's the thing that when you talk about strong arming your way into the union you have to be really aware of when you want to capitalize on those points because i think there are a lot of people i've worked with a lot of people who have enough points to join and haven't Mm. and that's really interesting to me because they are aware of where they're at yeah and they're aware that the jobs that they're getting are in line with them staying on the track that they're on, knowing full well that as soon as they want to, they can flip over. So then you kind of hold the power and you're making that decision based on kind of like how you want your lifestyle to be. Oh, interesting. It's interesting to me. But see, that to me also comes down to some level of fear as well, because like the hope is like, if you want to compete at the highest level, if you want to do work, you know, that, that really pays your bills and like allows for a life that is, you know, still, we're still starving artists, but you're not going to maybe starve as much. Right. You have to join the union and you have to do it at some point. Um, you know, because also like, I remember people saying when you're coming out of college, if you're non-union, all of a sudden you can be playing leads in non-union productions. You can be playing, you can be the star of all of these, you know, non-equity tours and these things. But then the minute that you jump into the union pool, you're competing against, all of the big names. Right. And all of a sudden you're going in right. to auditions with these big 
you know, with Tony nominees and Tony winners and stuff competing for these roles. So you're really jumping up from, you know, you're really jumping into a different category. Um, so you're totally right. I just would, I would caution people against harboring the EMC points for too long. Sure. But, but it's, you know, again, I, I think it really comes down to your self-awareness and your understanding of like what you want, right? Yeah. Because what you're saying ultimately yeah. is that like you you need to be brave and yeah. take control of your career yeah. and not let the career kind of push you around, you know? Yeah, but and that's I, one of those things that we it's a catch twenty two though sort of because you're like, you know, you wanna you wanna make make strides for yourself, but you also wanna let the the industry sort of say what it's gonna say and you don't wanna have a stranglehold on your career because I find personally that if I'm strangling my career and saying, I'm going to go this direction, I'm going to go this direction, the, you know, there's the old adage that, you know, you make plans and God laughs, you know? And so it's like, right. it's like you say, I'm going to do this. And God's like, nah, right. no, you're not doing that. So I think that if it is presented, take it. That's my advice. Like if you are doing something and someone says to you, you know, you're, do you want your equity card? You're doing a st- summer stock production. You want to, we want your equity card. I say, take it. But yeah. also, if it doesn't present itself, it is certainly not the end of the world, and it can right. actually promote some of the best experiences. Um, so that's the big thing. Um, it's a complicated yeah. issue, though. And There's I, really I, no one answer, and one Joe's actually, experience is so different. Well, it's very, it's actually similar in a, in a way because I was working at that same theater in West Michigan, Mason Street Warehouse, and I had done a bunch of shows for them, and I was getting to, I had done four summers because it was close to my parents' house. And I got to the end of the, we were doing Avenue Q after my senior year of college. And I was able to work it out with um, the director that I would get my equity card at the end of that production. So, um, and, and he was awesome and super helpful with all of that. And I'd done a bunch of shows for him. And like I said, I get my equity card, I moved to New York. And then early on in my auditions, I was lucky enough to sign with an agent. And so the agent then submitted me for auditions and in those cases you don't need it doesn't matter you can be non-union or union but you're going in in front of these casting directors and um if you win the role and you're non-union they will make you a part of the union to perform on broadway um cool next question so our next question is from uh at pragan which i think is right because her name is penny reagan it might be regan Uh, i'm sorry at pragan (laughs) asks Love your podcast so much. Not every deal. Woo! Can we talk more about the differences between an understudy, stand-in, or swing? Is one better yeah. or higher status or more desirable? If an ensemble member stands in for a main character, who stands in, in that uh, for that ensemble member? Thanks so much. Yeah. Love it. So a little vocab. And honestly, like I, w- I, ho- I wish that this was more cl- clear before Neil's interview because Neil... Right is a swing. He was a swing. Neil was a swing. He was a and swing. Then he became then he an became... ensemble member who was an understudy. Exactly. And now he's the principal. And now he's a principal. And that is a very clear sort of, it's not clear, apparently. It's not clear, <laughs> but but it, yeah. it helps. We can use him as like the example for how to explain how this all works. Right. So my name is Neil and I'm playing the role of King George. Right. But today I'm sick. What happens? What happens? There will be an understudy who is a member of the ensemble who will pl- st- who will step out of the ensemble to play King George in the show, right? Ensemble right. member steps up to play King George. And so then, then who goes in for that ensemble member? A swing. So the swing covers all of or a massive portion of the ensemble. Right. Swings cover the ensemble cases, tracks. Yeah. Also can cover 
principal tracks. Yes, they can. Right. Which then it gets a little bit, you know, sort of slightly confusing. But swings traditionally cover the ensemble. Ensemble, there might be an understudy in the ensemble who gets bumped to play the part and it sort of fills in like that. Now, standby question is a very good question. What is a standby? There are people and in certain roles on Broadway, Elsa, Anna, uh, Glinda, um, Elphaba, Elder Price, Elder Price, um, it used uh, to be Lola uh, and Kinky Boots. Yeah, um, um, Satine and Moulin Rouge, they have standbys. And that person's one job is to go on for that principal role. And it's usually like a really vocally demanding role, a uh, lot physically. of stage time, physically demanding role. Um, and that person's one job, that person sits off stage in their dressing room and they are the second string quarterback. They are right. they are ready to go ready on. Ready to go on. If the if the, you know and that is their sole responsibility exactly. on that show. And standbys, um, once now we can sort of now that we've kind of covered all of that, we can get into kind of how the compensation for those things works. Sure. And so if you're in the ensemble and you understudy a principal role, you get a certain amount of money when you go on for that principal role. When you're a standby, you're actually paid as a principal contract, which is more than the ensemble minimum. Right. And you don't get a bump when you go on because it's yeah, sort you of- you do. You do. You do. You still yeah. do. Yes. Yeah, standbys get a bump when they go on. Yeah, one eighth of your salary. So for every, there's or eight more. shows. You can negotiate for more. Sure. Yes, right. you can negotiate for more. But traditionally it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the equity, equity minimums are always, you know, the, the minimums on Broadway are always kind of going up, uh, you know, with inflation and whatever. But let's just say for the conversation, it's like 2000 bucks a week, pretty sweet. You do a show, you get one eighth of that for every show that you do. Right. Um, as an understudy or as a standby. And now I actually don't know how, how does this compensation work for swings? Are they paid each time they go on for each ensemble role or only when they go on for principal roles? Only when they go on for principal roles. Got They're it. not so, paid a bump right. to perform. But they get a weekly number for the coverage. It's built into their ensemble minimum. Yeah, it, yes. So if they cover six roles in the show, they might get like an extra... Let's say for argument's sake, 50 like fifty bucks a role or is something. It? Yeah, yeah. Something I was going like to say that. twenty for argument's sake. Yeah. Like it's an extra twenty dollars a week for each role that they do. Right. Um, so then, if some company were trying to add roles, the union comes in and says, "No, you have to pay them for those right. roles. They don't just they can't just cover everything just because they're in the building." Right. Right. So yeah, that feels like we covered a lot. As yeah. far as status, I think that's a little bit more of a complicated issue because a lot of people do really well in the swing position where they have to know. I mean, swings are far and away the most valuable part of a show. Absolutely. The reason that, that shows stay running is, you know, they, shows live and die by their swings. For example, last week we had two of our principal guys in, in Waitress who were filming a TV show, actually the same TV show, same episode. LOL. <laughs> so, which is because it's, there's a connection there, um, which I shouldn't talk about. But <laughs> uh, because of that, then... And one, and one of the ensemble members was on vacation. So we okay. have three guys out. Three of six guys in the show right. are out. So what happened was one of the swings was on for two male ensemble tracks split in half. Yep, split track. One of the female swings was on for the other half of the track that he couldn't cover. Oh. Someone was covering me, and I was on for for one of my one principal of the principals. Tracks. Right, right. 
So it was like a combo split combo track. Combo split track, all cross, hands on deck. Cross gender. With stage managers, <laughs> cross gender, with stage managers doing some set changes. See, like, what, how does this even, like, there's got to be some, like, some lawyers listening or something who are like, how, what is this business model? Or like, like the how? union who's like, wait, that shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, but exactly. well, hopefully whatever. they step in at some point and require vacation swings because yeah. when people go on vacation, or th- that's what's happening right now is one of our female swings is on vacation and the other female swing is out on injury leave. Yeah. So we had to hire a vacation swing, and now we still only have one girl swing in the building, so we don't have coverage. There was I mean, one day it's at crazy. there was one day at Alex's show, and now this gets even more complicated because if there is no ensemble in a show like Alex's show, would come from away, all of the understudies are standbys, so they're billed right. as standbys, and standbys are like we said, they're principal contracts. So that is a better contract to be on as a standby, um, and you only cover as an understudy standby you only cover a certain amount of roles like you know it might be two three four roles as opposed to a swing that with an ensemble will cover up to 12 or something crazy so alex's show they have the standbys um and something crazy happened where it was like somebody was sick somebody was on uh on a leave somebody was injured and then alex got sick and she never gets sick they called the girl who plays janice from the tour to fly in to mm-hmm. new york play Janice on Broadway for, I think it was just one show, maybe two, and then send her back out to the tour mm-hmm. because the tour had swings so, or had standbys on there. Mm-hmm. So they could, but it was just crazy. So just know that like when you walk in and you get the leaflets and like, you know, people are sick or they're out, just know that the show is hanging on by an absolute thread. But for some reason. And the brilliance of the, yeah, the, the yeah. I think the magic of it all yeah, is that, and, that those things are happening. And, and the and the magic of stage management and the brilliant yeah. of the people who like put that stuff together because it is hanging on by a thread, but there is a method to the madness, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like there's a method to the madness. Right. And we may not agree with the method to the madness, but there is right. a method. So it's and crazy. And so when you talk about status and value, just to finish up that point, yeah. I think that like the, there, everyone in the audience has their own ideas about what's the status and value of different things mean. If you're not sure. the star, they're going to be mad because you're on, even though you might be the next generation of stars. There's so many different ways to look at all of this. Right. But but no one in the industry will argue with the fact that swings are the most valuable parts of the show as far as keeping the show together. Yes. Um, obviously, this kind of segues us into our next question yeah um but it was cool just to go back to that for a second because neil haskell last week he was a swing and then he got we would say promoted to the ensemble Mm -hmm. to play one role and cover a number of roles Mm -hmm. then he got promoted again to just play the role of king george so yeah that is how we look at it that it's super cool and yes there is a promotion idea and of course you know um, you know, he's now in a place that he's really excited about. Um, but it, it's cool to see that happen. And I love that last week because when you're so valuable as a swinger and understudy, a lot of times you don't get promoted right. because you're so valuable to the company, right. knowing 12 tracks as opposed to just playing one. Exactly. Right. So that sort of leads us into our next question, which is um, wh- why some of those promotions are difficult because we this ultimately is a business. Right. And in this business, a lot of decisions are made that have to do with money. Our uh, department chair at the University of Michigan used to say to us, if you don't know the answer to a question involving why something is happening, (laughs) the answer is money. And um, so our next question is from India.img on Instagram. Um, Her question is, um, 
What are your thoughts on stunt casting? Question mark. Necessary, good, bad? Question mark. How has the rise in social media-based fans changed Broadway? Sort of a two-parter, and I think that they all kind of work together because in an example at my show right now, we have two YouTube stars who are both trained actors. Right. And one has been in several Broadway shows before he came a mega content creator, and the other was just a trained musical theater actress right. who became one of the most successful hmm. content creators in the world with uh, Colleen Ballinger, who plays Miranda Sings, and Todrick Hall uh, at Todrick. Yeah, so, <laughs> just Todrick, um, one word, like Oprah. So there are there's a lot of things to talk about here. Yeah. I'm going to start from the business standpoint just because I'm not stupid, and I want it to be clear that I'm not stupid that, like, the audience we had at the show when Colleen and Todrick started last night was as electric as when Sarah Bareilles was in the show. Hmm. And, and that's the thing that keeps the show open. Right. That's the thing that, that you know, ultimately I understand that this is a business and there needs to be money being made. The hard part about this is that I love musical theater as an art form and sometimes decisions are made for money that don't necessarily further the art. That being said, Colleen and Todrick are both established actors, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I don't necessarily think that just because they have YouTube content that that makes them lesser actors. Frankly, I think they're smarter than all of us. <laughs> we all should take a page out of their right. book. They're and excellent, excellent business people. Yeah, yes, yeah. understanding that like it, the thing that Amazon did to businesses where they sell things directly to a consumer, guess what? That's what YouTube is. You don't need a television show. You don't need a television network to sell your TV show to people. If your shit's good and it's on YouTube and it goes viral, there you are. That's a, that's a career, and I think that that's valuable. Now, there are other situations where stunt casting becomes incredibly difficult. People getting bought out of contracts. <sighs> is really, really brutal. Yeah. And Someone's in a show, and they're not selling enough tickets, quote-unquote, and the producers are seeing red, maybe, right. or maybe they're not, and you get an email that someone is leaving the company, and we thank them for their service, and this movie star is coming in to play the role. Yeah. And, you know, it's just... Um, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair for very talented people to get trounced on by the business mm -hmm. side of the business. Well, there is no art without commerce in a way. Like you have to have people consuming. I understand. And so that is the hardest part of this. And Broadway is a commercial... Picasso's Picasso because his paintings are worth a certain amount of money. It's not... It's like, it's the hard thing. The you know, like not everybody's Basquiat, you know? And right. it's like, it's hard when this, there's the human sort of, you know, you know, collateral damage of the commercial theater. And that, and we see that a lot. People don't get cast or they get bumped out of contracts because somebody more famous can sell more tickets right. and they're going to step in and hopefully in the eyes of the producer, sell more tickets. Right. And that really blows. And 
Right. I think that on the on the flip side, just to try to make it a little more positive, when you see, well, you just said all of this, like you know, when Todrick and Colleen came into the show, they they have chops. They are excellent. They are they're established. They're really 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 good. Right. We've seen a lot of quote unquote famous pop stars, movie stars, whoever who come and try to do Broadway shows, and they're not. But right. they sold more tickets right. than they would have. Here's my two cents about this because talk me off the ledge. Well, my big break, quote unquote, which ha- back in 2014, um, I got to play opposite Carly Rae Jepsen in Cinderella, and I I went in for another audition like during that at some point, and I was talking to uh, Benton Whiteley about stunt casting, and I just felt very grateful because. I'm I'm a I'm a musical theater guy. I have always wanted to do musicals. I went to college for this stuff. I'm just in New York. Nobody knows who I am. And because Carly Rae Jepsen agreed to do Cinderella, that in part kept our show open longer, which then allowed me the opportunity to play a principal role in a Broadway show, which set my career in a direction that I hoped would happen but never expected to happen so soon. So soon, right? Like two years out of school. Yeah, I was right. I was basically two and a half years out of school or so, something like that. And so that has incredible value to then think about that one person with that amount of star power keeping 200 people on the payroll. Right. All of the crew, all right. of the press people, all of the all of the the ensemble and the, the the guys who were selling tickets at the box office. That person has the power to keep paychecks flowing for hundreds of people not just you know padding the pockets of some greedy producer. That's not I can't live in a world where that's always the case. Is that the case sometimes? Of course. But for me with Cinderella and then moving backwards, the job I did before that was Romeo and Juliet with Orlando Bloom. It was the same thing. I'm not going to get to do a Shakespeare play on Broadway unless if Orlando Bloom doesn't agree to do it. Right. So I'm I'm reaping the benefits and fulfilling a lifelong dream of doing a Shakespeare play on Broadway and getting to understudy him, not a big deal. That was pretty cool. But I, but that there's an incredible value there. But all of a sudden, then you're just going about your life and you open up, you know, you open up broadway.com and you read that somebody you love is being replaced by, by, a, by a pop star. And that is really tough. You know, and it's yeah, it's tough when it hurts the integrity of the show. Yeah, but the good side is that you didn't get an email that your show's closing. Right. So, you know, and and that's the thing. That's why you like look to downtown theater, look to nonprofit theater, look to things like like where you want to go to really, really make art and really live in the art. Yeah. Like, you have to take some commerce out of it. And 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 Gina talked about it. Gina Rattan talked about it in our early interviews where she talks about the only difference between the American theater model and the British theater model is time. You know, there's subsidy. There's right, more money. Right. More there, there's government more yeah. subsidy for the arts because they care about the arts in a way that our country doesn't. And it it's frustrating in that way. Yeah. You know, but... The best thing the best thing about what happened because of these shifts in casting to hire these higher status people is that it opens up the audience to a different demographic as well. Right. Like the audience at closing night of 
Cinderella right. was starring Kiki Palmer and Nene Leakes right. is very different than opening night totally. of Cinderella. Totally. And th- what what happens when you bring in a new demographic and a new group of people see something, they have the potential of falling in love with that thing. Right. And that ultimately is really good for the art. And I do think so, about it from a, a huge perspective, like movie stars have a number and that number is like how much money they make at the box office. Right. How much How much are they worth? When you put Will Smith in your movie, you know that your movie is gonna make X million dollars. Right. Every single person in Hollywood is dealing with that. This is kind of the Broadway version and, yeah. it, and it really sucks. And almost your number these days is like your Twitter followers and your Instagram followers. Potentially. Potentially, which is yeah. actually, I think for me, can really hinder creativity. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt just did a talk about, a TED talk about this that I highly recommend because he talks about how social media can inhibit creativity. It can promote creativity. If you right. do it right, and right. we're all trying to do it right and connect right. with an audience. And that's why we're doing the podcast. Right. I mean, we wanna connect with people. That's, we why wanna, we're, you know, that's why we're so excited to get questions because yeah. ultimately we're not here to just hear ourselves talk. We're here to like make genuine connection with people. Yeah, and like the social media stuff can just be like, you can just sit there mindlessly and double tap stuff, or you can actually, provide people with, with, with something and yeah. provide yourself with value. Right. It's not just about naked pictures of yourself, <laughs> not to shame people who do those things. Like, Well, there is a picture of Dan wanna... Tracy with some tomatoes and yeah, some Yeah, well, I was gardening <laughs> and I wasn't drinking at the time, so I looked great, so it had to go on the internet. <laughs> so check it out um, on his Instagram. It's I like... know what my audience wants, Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can't say anything because I posted one the other day uh, from my the family beach. vacation. With I was the beach. all over that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're just making fun of me. You're like, abs, bro. And I'm like, great. well, it's actually overhead lighting and fat rolls, but nobody knows that. No, no, no. I could, I could see them under the fat rolls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's Gosh. about all we got. Well, thank you for listening to us. Um, you know, hopefully we answer these questions and we're going to get to even more of them. Keep them coming. Um, next week, we have another interview. Uh, we have a whole bunch of cool ones planned. We got fun people who are, want to come on the show, which yeah. is very cool. So we we got a really exciting one that we're uh, recording um, next Sunday that we're going to try to turn around really quickly because this is this is going to be a biggie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think we should just start reading one question in the news section every week. Sure, it's great because I think that you know if they come, if they don't come, then fine. But if they come and we read them on the podcast, we will send you a care package. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Care package. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> if we answered your question on this week's episode, I will be sending you a message to ask you what your address is for us to send you your care package. <laughs> you think it's funny, but I'm going to do it. I, I I, yeah, well, I believe it when I see it, first of all. And you're gonna ask you somebody, focus, listen. Yeah. You focus on what you do. Okay. Okay. And I'll focus on what I do. <laughs> all right? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I might be smart. My siblings can't believe that I got it right. I got it right, right? I didn't cheat. I saw this light and it was neat. I like to laugh, I like to spell, I like to never hear the bell. And if this competition's hell, at least I'm finally apart. I feel my heart begin to swell. I like it with the pop. I love to Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. 
Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.